presents the beat basement where you hear from your livest producers, all of them. And this is where it all goes down, where you hear the funky sound from the producers that's up and coming, the Grammy Award winning, all of them. I'm your host, Swish, and we're going in. Everything going in. Season three, season three, eight, eight, eight. Follow me, cause it's free, 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 free. Season three. Yo, what it do? This your boy Swish. Feels good to be back, man. Um, this is the intermission. Feels good to be here. Before we go into season three, y'all excited, man? I'm excited. Um, I would like to thank y'all, everyone, for embarking on this journey with me, man. It's been a great ride so far man and it's only gonna get better you know what i mean like you know how when you go down a roller coaster and then you don't think there's no more hills and then you go down another steep hill i mean hey i mean that's how amazing this podcast has been for me hopefully the producers as well as well as the listeners um my fans thank y'all so much i wouldn't still be doing it if it wasn't for y'all and um yeah it's just the beginning of something so amazing man so yeah um thanks for subscribing and if you haven't subscribed yet i suggest you go ahead and subscribe to the podcast that's zaytoven presents the beat basement zaytoven you know who zaytoven is zaytoven beats one of the best to ever do it the greatest and I'm your boy Swish. You know, that's my partner. That's my boy. That's that's my family. So, you know how we do. We're going to keep it rocking. Keep your head ringing. Um, yeah, that, man. Um, and if you have any feedback, um, please feel free to contact me at swisher.man83 at yahoo.com. That's swisher.man83. 83 at yahoo.com um any with any topics you think you might want me to talk about or any questions you have for me um anything else man um just address me just let me know and um we'll try to try to bring that in in full circle things to come um i plan on going live for a few one or more occasional episodes thus far, man. Like I say, I'm still in the in the um you know, in the in the um process of figuring out what you guys would like to hear, um how y'all would like for me to do it. Um and just getting my videos and the audio to match up together, man, uh, to make it better a more you know, a better experience for you guys to kind of stay in tune with. Um, it's going to be different themes. I'm going to talk about different episodes. I mean, it's going to be exciting season coming up, man. Season three, man. Hey, man, get your popcorn. We're going to do it. We're going through it. This uh, um, It's going to be beat giveaways. Um podcast parties for listeners everybody man so be on the lookout um and also you know for you really in-depth beat heads it's gonna be a lot more 
you know, talk about beats and, and how to basically layer a beat, cook up a beat. You know what I mean? Um, and I just want to keep this motivation going for everybody, man. Not not just, you know, one genre, not just for one person, but for just everybody that loves music and just I want to motivate y'all in all parts of y'all lives, man. So, yeah, that, man. Without further ado. For today, I got something like my um, co-host, um, my partner, my player partner, Naeem. Um, and then we're going to, you know, we're going to interview Panic. Uh, this cat, well, I'm going to just leave it to him. He's going to tell you all about himself. But um, basically, uh, this man's going to get the history about producing and just hip-hop, period. He was He's from the town, the city. The legend, New York, where it all started. What's up, man? What's up, man? Yes, yes. I'm glad to be in the house. Glad to be on the <laughs> basement. This is an honor. An honor and a privilege here. So my name is Brother Panic. Um, I'm a little bit known for teaching for the last 10 to 12 years. Metaphysics, spirituality, wrote books. But in my early years in New York, I... Uh, was a hip hopper. I was a producer for many years and worked with a lot of heads, a lot of producers. So you, so you came out when when hip hop. You came from a place where hip hop was absolutely. Born. I was, I, I'm from Queensbridge. My big cousin is Marvin Gaye. He's considered one of the inventors. Like he's considered one of the inventors of how rap is actually forming uh, Prior to that, they were using what you call stock sounds on drum machines. We were just coming out of a drum machine called a Roland 808, which is where you get that 808 that we were talking about. That's actually just from a drum machine sound. It was a kick. We were coming out, coming out of that era, and they were starting to move into a drum machine called the SP-12 and SP-1200 by Emo. That was the first you can take your samples start chopping them up and Molly was one of the first to do that and I was under all of that I mean I worked with the bomb squad all the ancients of that time up until where you have me dibbling dabbling to, to, to today so definitely was around in New York and the genesis of this thing was happening yeah, damn, damn. So, I mean, you know, are you liking where hip hop is headed now? Like, well, like any old guy, you know, right. you know. But they always going to say that. But let me tell because you. Because of the generation. Because the, the generation gap. Every generation. Let me tell you, here's what I did notice, something I had to figure out, which was like a breakthrough, which was me understanding that this isn't our music anymore. See, as an old head, we were trying to hold on to our music as the most sacred. So when new kids came, we were trying to scold them all the time. What the old head should have did was let them have their own music, let them call it their own, and let it be their hip-hop. And we should have made our hip-hop more nostalgic and legendary and created more institutions for us to have outlets, radio stations, I'm starting to see it happen on like Sirius XM where there's old hip hop and that's where it stayed. So if we can make a a a system out of that, we can kind of leave you all alone. We don't have to have an opinion about your music. It's only a bad opinion when we compare it to our music. But once we are able to leave that alone, 
I like your. I don't have to like your music yeah. if, as long as y'all like it. What I do notice, y'all make the same exciting faces yeah. we made over ours. So how could we take that away? All right. What's, what you feel about? Uh, I want. I want to hear more about how you feel about the new generation, some of the new artists, without just you know. Okay. Spitting on their name a little bit. It's hard okay. not to, you know, disrespect okay. a little bit. No, 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 no. Okay. Gonna, I'll do it in the most professional way I can All right. without being disrespectful okay. or being opinionated in terms of my feelings. Because okay. I know what my feelings are. Understood. But my professional opinion is they're making very lazy records. Yeah. And even though they... I feel that too. Yeah. There's, there's there's no effort, I mean more. There's no, there's no effort. Right. no context to it. No context. They slim... They they narrowed down the scope of what can be talked about. Dumbed it down. They yeah. dumbed it they down dumbed to pussy, I mean, money, and drugs. It, it was like that. No, it was like that, but we still had more substance within the realm of that. And even what you're talking about is like that. Who spearheaded that? Let's say it was Jay Z. And yeah. I can tell you where it dumbed down. The original one you started talking about was Biggie, but he gave you a context okay. of him before and after. In fact, his album scheme was running along that line. Okay. It was like, when I'm trying to get money, then the last one, yeah. Born to Die, was yeah. now that I have money, yeah. more money, more problems, right. this is what's happening. Okay. So he put it in context. And then because it, what was sensationalized was Mace. When mm. Mace is sitting there, I got two Rolexes. Mm. Black people's going, this is not even our reality. Okay. But it was sensation sensationalized after Biggie kind of opened his place. Then Jay Z. So really, you blame Diddy because Diddy pushing the envelope, Diddy, right? Because okay. they wanted to push success, prosperity. But while doing that, because what was happening on the West Coast, they were gangster rap was becoming big. Mm -hmm. They put more money into that because they was trying to decline the climate of conscious rap that was happening. Okay. So when they when they lowered the standard and put more money into them and made it more lucrative to talk about nonsense, that was step one. While on the East Coast, Puffy and them had to find something to hold on to. So it became, we money, we bought it. The New York fashion light, we doing it up. Just like you said, they wear flip-flops, but they're fashionable flip-flops. Fashionable flip-flops. So they made that okay. the thing yeah. as if that was a New York thing, yeah. and it became this overwhelming thing that because it's such a small mind everyone wants money so yeah, who's not yeah. going to relate to that yeah so it became and everyone wants pussy and everyone wants to get high and feel good Amen. so it became relatable things complex subjects became out the game so when you listen to even uh kendrick lamar at least he's attacking more complex subjects now but I'm kendrick not, always been like that okay i since to me, it's just like five minutes for me. Okay, for, you know okay. what I mean? But I guess if you were listening for but a do long you, time, do you feel like more so the lyricism is is more mm -hmm. is getting more narrow? Well, it's definitely getting more narrow. But what I'm finding is more people with no talent are able to have a voice. So the They're, the bars yeah. are the bars yeah. aren't that long. Anymore. You're right about that. I'll so bring well, the bars no, even down. Even if they're doing long bars, I don't uh -huh. even think we're at that place where we're critiquing how they're structurally making music. They have no, a lot of people have no business making music. Their sideshows and their uh, 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 their what you call a uh, uh, social media okay. phenomenons. Okay. You know what I mean? So if if in a if I was to wave a magic wand, mm. I would say let talent be the order of the day. As opposed to sensationalism. But their talent would be more so the person making the beat. Because uh, the beats are 
are the new thing. Instrumental. We can listen to instrumental right now. We are really making the artists nowadays. Yeah, because we're not even looking towards the rap, but let's say the beats are making the artists. I still didn't see the beats as lazy. And beats are easy. The beats are lazy. They're so simple now. They're simple, yes. And there's, I definitely agree with that. I guess to put it in more of a context, not only are they simple, they're, they're, they're expected, they're cookie cutter. Nobody's bedazzling me. I like, I like beats where they use drums think, or they use real instruments. I think Zaytoven yeah. is though. Zaytoven is Because the way that he plays on those keys, you know, the keys that he plays are, you know, there's no type of structure to it, you know, it just, Funky fingers, okay. he knows actually he knows how to play the keyboards because he's got regular people who, yeah. are, who uh, one day were plumbers, the next day they got keyboards and they're doing all this. Yeah, in the video, and they really yeah. don't know how to play, they right. just right. made something that was able to stay on beat. And, and that's anybody something. can do that, and anybody can really do that. See, and not only that, I remember to make the studio in my day, you at least. You're the most minimal studio, you you're spending, you're spending 10 racks, the, and that's the most. You had to play musicians, you had, right. had to play Well, even if you were using machines, because rap right. music is right. a machine-based right. thing, right. Right. But, but in terms of the scope of the equipment, meaning you have to invest in it, so you're not doing it just because you feel like it. So like for instance, my son, who is, I want to be a rapper all his life, so I at least give him that credit. He just didn't turn it on. Wait, he was on, upset. Go back to rap is mm -hmm. is a based, a machine based. Okay, I'm a, I'm a, I was going to bring it to, okay. bring it to, okay. so. Because so, that's deep, a lot of people don't know that. A lot well, of people don't know oh, how yeah, yeah, we can get to that. It's just a machine based rap. Okay, okay. I got you. We can talk about that in detail. I remember the history. Okay, yeah. So we yeah. can talk about it in detail. I'll, I'll bring it in with this point. All right. My son had a friend who went to Stevenson with, who busted his leg up. He was a football guy, and it was big things. So he was really in a slump. I knew it was bad because he was taking my class. And like, you're your son's friend in your class like this, trying to figure something out. And then my son moved to LA. When he came back, all of a sudden, he's got, yo, get my, just busted up me guys, get my song on iTunes. I'm like, you got a whole album? You wasn't even thinking about rap. You didn't mm -hmm. care. It's like all of a sudden, it's something you could do. His friend Omar said, yeah, I bought a drum machine for 200 bucks, and I'm in business now. They yeah. go to LA in the studio. So in other words, it's not even in their heart. Yeah. And that was a big thing, that rap music yeah. in yeah. early New York, it was in your heart. You either yeah. did or you didn't. It wasn't everybody Even all the way up until the millennial. Yeah, well, oh, yeah. it had to be in the heart. Yeah. Now, what was happening in music, now it's about money. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, it's, it's all about money. Oh, it's all about it's money. All about money. It's all about it's money. Not you about need a dollar for yeah. everything. Oh, yeah. You need a dollar to do anything. Yeah, I don't care how it affects your community. I don't care how it affects the people around you. I just want the dollar. You know oh, what I mean? can tell you how I got there, too. Let me, let me hit you with the machines. The machines were very important because here's something that most people don't even really just think about and realize. Every machine in music that you have today is based upon rap music. Now, Pro Tools and all that can work with any form of music, of right. course, but what was pushing the technology was rap. What was interesting, I didn't know, the first thing in the idea of sampling was something called an emulator. It was just a keyboard where you would sample your voice. The first person that really pushed that technology was actually Stevie Wonder. And if y'all remember, there was an episode of The Cosby Show where he was using the emulator with the Cosby's. 
they were saying shit. I, y'all gotta be, y'all gotta be real old to watch that. Nah, and it was nah, real nah. stupid. It was <laughs> real stupid. But he was featuring the emulator, okay, okay. which was a part sample. So all they were doing was doing like, like the don 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 the don 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 just sounds. It wasn't really. It didn't have to say nothing. There was no technology for that. That's so what the, right there. what the rap dudes that's started doing, they started taking that one little bit of sample time that you had yeah. and taking the loop and playing it manually. There was no technology that yeah. made a yeah. record loop. Right. So Curtis Blow, remember Run DMC, Peter Piper picked Pepper. Yeah. They played, they sampled uh, Bob James, Take Me to the Mardi Gras, and there was no looping technology. They played it one to one. They triggered it on the one all the way through the song. Bing, ding, 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 and again, bing, ding, 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 live all the way through. Uh, Curtis Blow, I Rule the World, yeah. he used Punk Me Up, which was a, I can't remember the group, but they had DC. What about group. my favorite, so The Bridge is Burning? The Bridge is Burning? I mean, The Bridge is Over. Oh. Bridge is Over. So that shouldn't be your favorite because I'm from the bridge. That should not be your favorite. That was our worst. That was our worst. Every song I was in rap has been sampled. Definitely. It, because, well, now, before they were sampling a rap or any records, what was happening in 1976 is what? It was is in the park. 76 is when it was 76 is when it was developing. Disco was big, and there was a, a, a Negro backlash against disco. So we were doing shows in the park. What? And what they were doing were taking soul records, like James Brown, and they were prolonging it by what you know today as DJing. Yeah. This is where it was invented, just so people, excuse me, the break dance to it. That's why they were called wait, B-Boys. Wait, 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 disco didn't derive from us? Mm-mm. No, it derived from us ultimately, yeah. but street cats, yeah. it's kind of like rappers want to do this right. now, we old rappers, yeah. but y'all saying no, it's about this track. Y'all doing this, and we sitting there going, but well, what about this? But then it's not even about trap no more. It's, it's well, well is, I'm sure now, it's, something, it's probably something else. I don't know what it is now. I don't know if it's Whatever that, but everybody with the name Little is doing it. Yeah. <laughs> everybody with Little, the name Little yeah. is doing it. Yeah. Now, well, disco was just a backlash because even if it's us, it still became very popular. It was grown-up music for for out at so what were the kids doing? Right, right. So we right. so so right. We came up with stuff. So we was doing these new dances. We was yeah. doing graffiti, yeah. and the last thing to develop was actually rap because the DJ was the performer, and everybody stood around looking at the DJ. Then eventually, got picked up the mic and said, "Look at him go. Look at him do this." Then eventually, it turned into uh, it turned into. Um, they started saying nursery rhymes. Like, here we go, like all the shit you knew. One, two, buck your shoe. Here's what we're about to do. Real corny, but it was, it became more, it started developing more and more. And this was happening in 78, 80s, and 80s, you started seeing these records sprinkle in. Okay, all right, so the technology was, was it is very early infancy but rap made the most complaints because we were the only ones that were interested in sampling technology. So in the early days in the 70s, when they was uh, taking James Brown and just what they call cutting it to yeah. prolong the break, that was the origins of so what DJ, rap was so going to be. DJs, I don't mean to cut you No, it's all right. But Please. DJs transformed into producers. Most, or yes. For, like, you could say that's the role. DJs, uh, DJs, 
did that was I would say that was the big role, but truth be told, it was a known thing. Very few DJs knew how to make that transition. What started to happen was producers were producers, and DJs was just hellified DJs. Yeah. Yeah. The, but there was but thing, they, they, but every DJ wants to produce. Right, right, every right. DJ and wants they to all produce. Mix. Two songs together. They really got the, the concept, but yeah. but well here's well I tell you what happened that made that understanding happen. Like um, I sucked as a DJ. That's where yeah. you all start. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was terrible. But when I was getting on the drum machines, like my man just didn't understand it. And what I could hear, like he was still saying, you can't mix R and B with rap music. This is before blends was even out. Yeah. I was like, what? Doing Bismarck or something? I was like. He's like, wait a minute, we have to re-contemplate shit here. <laughs> and this is before it was big. But you had a certain ear for it. And he just never had it. He's still a DJ, but he's never had an ear for it. Now, Clark Kent, who I worked with, he was okay. But when I got there, he didn't know how to program drum machines. Mm. Because that's where we were actually going, how these drum machines came into right. play. But he didn't really know. He was good, yeah. but he didn't know how. So when I came, what he was doing, and he had remixes all day. Right. He would just take a bunch of loops and just whatever one would do it. So he didn't really know how. Now, Marley was a DJ but and a producer. But Marley actually was mediocre both ways. He just had to rap. You know what I'm saying? Mm, I hate yeah. to do for a man. But, you know, but he still did his thing. But I want to keep on the, keep you in this thing. So the first drum machine, because now that sampling is becoming bigger, they're trying to find more time, ways to do it. Marley Marl, instead of using the voice emulation, right. he started taking kicks and snares from things. And that record, not The Bridge Is Over, but the one he was replying to, The Bridge, was one of the first. One of the most sampled records in rap was a record called Impeach the President. If you heard it, you absolutely know it. Wow. And he took. Wow. He that's, took. That's crazy. How uh, one of the first records in rap was impeached the president, and then they got fucked Donald Trump. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And Nipsey just got killed. But that's. I mean, that's that interesting. Just a, uh, yeah, mm. that was definitely mm. interesting. Interesting. Impeach the president is so iconic. I'll play it for you. I'm gonna go. Oh, what? Right. Everybody and everything. So much so, there was this white man named Aaron Fuchs. He was one of the white men that started making records. Very early, like in '81, Spoonie G, Grandmaster Kaz, Super mean, Rhymes. What do you mean he was making records? That's Meaning he man. was printing records before anybody was fucking with rap. Ooh. He was one of the white boys that was Ooh. on the scene when yeah. Van Bottom was doing yeah. it. So when he was always like looking ahead. He was well. He was a he was a vulture. Obviously, he was a vulture. Yeah. But because this is what he did, you know the. You know the beat 900 number that let me clear my throat? He found that, and he found a piece of the president. Now, what he did, this is a slick motherfucker. Before anybody was even had an inkling of this, he used to work in publishing. He bought both of those records. And the people were like, yeah, these things, he wasn't here, you didn't have them. He took both the records, he, he presented them to Marley, he said, yo, I got it. Impeach the president, I'll give you, if you produce Spoonie G, which was an old artist that was uh, done, but if you produce Spoonie G, who's on his label, I'll give you this. He gave the other one to Mark 45 King, which was the original, they made it so many times over, but that was the original presentation. Marley just said on Drink Hit, for, for years, Aaron left that alone, that was the deal. He said he came back and sued them. 
because know what a piece of president is? Remember the beat that was in Round the Way Girl? Yeah. With LL? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. a piece of president. The drum track. Are you serious? That's a piece of president. That white man bought that shit. That shit Smart still white, comes up today. Yeah. And everything. Janet Jackson, you yeah. name it, it's been used. And he's he cakes off nothing that. else but eat off of that shit. Oh, oh, it's grimy. And then Marley said, the deal they had back in the days, Aaron came back and sued him for Round the Way Girl. The original one was The Bridge. Mm-hmm. That's where he first used it. But what was interesting. And they sued him for The Bridge also? I don't know if he got him for The Bridge, because that was the original exchange. But Round the Way Girl, he burned him. Now, he ain't going to let that money go. That's nah, Round the Way nah, Girl. Right. So eventually That's he just waited money. and got him for it. Right. But uh, now, here's, here's the thing Marley had a skill as a technician on the machines. So we had a lot of people from Queensbridge work at a radio station called WBLS, big deal out there, that was the station. So Marley was juiced in. So Dr. Bob Lee, who still I believe is on WBLS uh, from our neighborhood said to Mr. Magic, yo, I know a young guy that's kind of, you might like, he's a DJ, coming out to Queensbridge and meet him. So he brought Mr. Magic out. Mr. Magic just got a show on the AM version of WBLS, was WLIB. And he was the first person to play rap music on the radio in existence in the world. And Molly Maul was his DJ. So Molly Maul is a producer. Every, that's why Queensbridge became big, was every single thing had instant radio play right. in a time where it didn't exist. Right. So the show got so popular that they moved it to the FM station, gave them Friday and Saturday night, three hours, 9 p.m. to 12. Friday and Saturday, Kiss FM on the other side, gave you Chuck Chill Out on Friday and DJ Red Alert on Saturday. So the Molly's experimenting. He's cutting up samples. He's doing everything. He's actually innovating rap and in how the production's going to go. But what was interesting was... All the machine companies, especially Akai, yeah. would just follow us. There was no reason to make these machines but for rap in the time when they was going, y'all might not even be around them all, knock it off, you little foolish monkeys, get it out your system. Right. But I'm sitting there going, well, why are they making all these machines conducive to what we're doing? Every See, the first SB12 didn't have a, an external drive. It took about 12 minutes to do anything to move from next. So, the, so we complained about that, then they made one with an external drive. Then we said the sampling times to you. Who were y'all complaining to? Though? We was just talking out loud. It was yeah. just no one in the business. Right, so right. anybody who's sitting the around. Radio station. Well, I don't think well, he was broadcasting on the right, radio right, as right, much right. as that was just a campfire talk. Right. It was like, yo, man, yo, we trying to do this, we trying to do that. So anybody who's in business who's trying to pay attention to see what's the next move, they listening to us. Because we're driving forth technology at this yeah. point. And not only technology, the youth. The, the, uh, the, well, the not to mention our impact on right. that. that oh, was, right. That's a phenomenon within itself. Yeah, it but it just speaking strictly on our impact on business, that we, that we our mind wasn't even, even there hard. yet. We even didn't even, hard. we're thinking we're the odd man out. Right. We're thinking we're with we the, the little that? punk boys on the street. Right. But how come everybody's moving according to us? But while they're telling us y'all ain't shit, y'all ain't playing music. We are. Yeah, but but we didn't we didn't have no, that we confidence yet. We just were the kids trying to do it. So so then 
I mean, we can get into chaos one and the bridge is over too. Cause that's and we could because that's one of the most it, it, it was it was the most legendary Okay, it was the most well there was something else we were gonna talk about before we went in there. We talked about sampling. Yeah. Uh-huh. We, we talked about drum machines. We we said we was gonna talk about it'll come back up. Okay. Yeah, it will. Well, I mean, we'll just walk along this line. So like Marley Mall was that dude on uh BLS. So now you got Big Daddy Kane, Coogee Rap, uh, Craig G, Juice Ho. This is all not. This is all his production that he's bringing forth. He presented them. The biz. Okay, these are his dudes. They eventually left him because they started figuring out. Well, we don't have to do. See, at this time, you didn't need a craftsman. You just needed someone who knew how to do machines. So as the machines became more conducive to us, right. it became less yeah, needy for us to depend on one person. Yeah. Everybody can and start fucking around. Now, and that's how it is now. Yeah. And even more so because the machines are yeah. even simpler. And then simpler. now they suck and they and can make exactly. the machine now make anybody can do anything. Better. Right, the yeah. machine is doing the work for you. Back yeah. this time, it was just an empty slate and you had to be a craftsman. So now, this is the story. This is straight from Marley, and I remember this. There's a guy named DJ Scratch, you ever heard of him? OG man, look up no, to no, no. He was he was scratch was EMDs, but he won all of those uh, contests that the DMC, all, all the content. Scratch was that dude in the late 80s. Still around now, he's still doing his thing. Scratch, and, and I think he went on tour with EPD. Scratch, we used to work at a skate room for United Skates in America. It was, it was, uh, we used to DJ them, we used to put them shows in the Seven, no, uh, eighty-seven, and Marley actually before got me that was, job before I was born. Yeah, yeah. eighty-seven. <laughs> so, I was born. So now we, we were living it up because we had we murdered New York. We had a record called The Bridge, MC Shan, murdered. We, it was impeach the president. Marley cut it up. It was the one that Aaron Fuchs, the white boy, gave him. Yeah. First, it was heard, and it's that where, where, where that sound was. Fucking phenomenal murder. Molly said he just was gonna do that for the park because we had Queensbridge Day. He played in the park, niggas lost it. Monster. Shan's only one hit. So now we killing it. And it's really a record about Queens, Queensbridge, and in the realm of New York. So where is Molly He's from Queensbridge. We from the same hood. So we the same project. It's like Compton. On this right, side, right, right, or, or a Compton on this yeah. side that rep. In fact, Compton got his Compton started saying Compton because of Queensbridge. It was the first neighborhood inspired thing. Now, here's the history though New York is five boroughs. Manhattan is what you see on TV all day. There's also the Bronx, Queens, where I'm from, Brooklyn, right below it, and Staten Island, where the Wu Tang's from. So, all of this is actually New York City. This is the five boroughs. New York is twice the size damn near of Atlanta. The real, but and it looks just like Atlanta. The, but what you see in New York, where they say, you ain't got no trees, you're doing that. That's just one fucking small area. It's a state, it's, 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 it's a city in the state. Just like Atlanta, it's just a big, so it's much more than New York. So these five boroughs is thorough. Now we give respect to Mount Vernon, which is a little above the Bronx. That's 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 
No, that's that's that. No, there's Harlem, there's the Bronx, and then there's the top of the Bronx, which is technically out of the borough. Puffy's from there, Heavy D's from there. So you got a few guys that got Mount Vernon, and then Long Island is the other side past Queens, which is not really the city, but still New York. Where you give respect to that's Public Enemy, uh, Rakim, um, and EPMD. And I'm missing like five more. So you still get respect, but in Jersey, you get respect from Jer- the Lords and, and Red Man, Jersey, Wu Tang, Staten Island. So now, classically, man, I told you, you go back to 78 before there was records, there was just shit in the park. The Bronx was number one, Harlem was number two, Brooklyn was number three, Staten Island. They had the Force MCs, which later became the Force MDs. They were actually rappers at first, and they were ill, yeah. crazy. And so Staten Island had a little bit of noise. Queens never had noise. Mm-hmm. So so how did y'all make the most noise? Because had noise? Queens is the most, for the residential area, it's the most... It's not rich, but it got more money than the Bronx. So we were able to go to the studio. And so we dominated records from here till now. Nah, salt and pepper. Brooklyn Brooklyn always had a guy. See, but it was always a guy. Well, let's compare that. Mob, Nas, salt and pepper, kid and play, everything out of Herbie Lovebuck's camp, everything out of Marley's camp. Well, Marley had other guys. Shantae, Craig, Shan, um, uh, shit. Q uh, tipping them niggas. Okay. Queens ran rap music. You know what I'm saying? Busting them niggas is from Long Island. But Queens, and they consider that closer to Queen. So we ran it and they hated it because they originated it. Like they still get us. We had a legendary, one of the dudes that's considered the father of rap music. We were working with him, Grandmaster Cash from the Cold Crush. All he did was gig on Queens. You from Queens? Queens? He's from the Bronx. He's a Bronx OG. So the so so Bronx is that spot. So so now when Marley's doing his thing, Marley tells me the story. Chaos, one of them dudes, they walk in the studio. Mr. Magic was known for he's dead now. He's known for his mouth. That nigga was wow. He would say anything. He was a radio personality. Yeah. He's the first dude that invented rap music to radio. So you know where he was with it. So. They go in this room, Karis one plays his demo. So Marley's sitting there. Marley's real quiet. He's this dude. Mm-hmm. He said, Magic walked in the room, just like this conference room, pressed stop on the tape, took it out, threw that shit on the floor. Said, y'all need to make shit like Marley. Marley, if y'all want to get on, I walked out. Marley said, you're sitting there like this. So now, Marley told me that later. But I rem- when we was working at the skating ring, Scratch, that's when we first met Scratch. It was me and my boy DJ Hot Day. DJ Scratch came in, man, it was cool. He's from Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. See, I'll play something for you. That nigga put on fucking a record called South Bronx. So our South record is Bronx. The Bridge, The Bridge. So now, yeah. right, South, South Bronx. And he's pretty South much saying rap started in the Bronx. We didn't hear Pete from a place called Queens. So he's shitting on Queens old rap. Yeah. But we're saying. And this is why it was a power move. We were saying shit like, look, you know, we're just talking about our neighborhood and what we did. He's like, nah, nah, you trying to say y'all made rap. You know what I'm saying? We ain't hear nothing from Queens. So he really strong-armed his way in. Shan sucked. 
We know and like Sham from our hood. You know what I'm saying? But that record though. And so it was disastrous. The whole New York. Because they always hate Queens anyway. So the whole New York fired up. We walking around with a frown. So Sham comes back with some garbage called Kill That Noise. Okay. Terrible. Terrible. Listen. That's when he came back with the bridge is over. <laughs> niggas in the bridge was walking around. <laughs> like, like niggas in front on that shit. We would go to, there was a club called Union Square. And if you remember, he said it live at Union Square. Square. And he said it on the record because he recorded that record live. So this club was one of the few that was popping. And they had a little bridge area in there. So the whole hood, that was our spot. That was it. You know what I'm saying? Niggas is doing that thing, getting us out of there. Move, niggas. You know what I'm saying? Getting us out of there. So we, we took that hit for that. You know what I'm saying? So that was that, and it was legendary. Shane never came back. He embarrassed us. Nas So Nas and them were the younger generation. Yo, let me tell you this nonsense. This is the worst. There's a nigga named L.E.S. L.E.S. He's on now. He's on Illmatic. He's been working with Nasty. I don't think he does it anymore. But he was Elliot Producer. This is the nigga I showed how to use the drum machine. Because if we take it back just a little bit, the drum machine, that SB12 that I told you had the front, and shit was $4,000. That shit is impossible for a nigga back then. You know what I'm saying? We weren't getting that type of money. So, yo, I literally, when I moved in my grandmother in 1990, I already used the drum machine because I made records. So we had access to it, but it wasn't in the home where you really needed to craft. I made a space for it. I set up every single thing but the drum machine. I used to just look at the space like this. <laughs> now, me and my boy used to pay all our money, go to the studio, that was the grind. And my boy's wearing these Nikes and shit. I'm like, nigga, we can't afford that. Nigga, everything's going into this. You know, I'm that dude. He's like, nah, there's this nigga in the hood named World. He can't, you know, he's he, he's the, he's that man right now. And every time I rap for him, he give me my say, you need to do something more constructive with that. You know what I'm saying? Then he's jogging nice. So I said, yo, let's get him to get us in the studio. So, so I said, right, I'm gonna craft it. So we get to the hood, Prince Day World like that. He get on the hill, that's the main part of the hood. You can see him always stomping, moving his hand. He's that dude. You know what I'm saying? Just say, Yo, I don't even hear what he's saying. So we walk up. He running his mouth. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? We're going to do this. You know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to be on right now. I can't do this all my life, you know. Uh, you know, he's talking all that crap. And so I just paused. I was listening to him. And I said, no, you can't be in the group. His whole face turned into the Matrix. He just said, whoa. Like, he didn't. Who's talking to me like this? Yeah. And then I walked off. Now I'm looking, he's in Prince's ear. <laughs> Prince finally came after about 10 minutes later, 15 minutes. I said, yo, what's up? He said, yo, that nigga went ape shit. He's like, who this nigga? He don't know who I am. I'm worldwide, world famous. Da, 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 da. That nigga better check my records, the archives. No. I said, tell him if he wants to be down, he needs to buy us a drum machine. That nigga's ego was so flaming that he said, what? I'll buy tomorrow. Boy was born. I came to the crib. That nigga had that shit in the shopping bag. Proving to me, I said, 
You prove your point, you're in the group. Yeah. Thanks, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. Set it up, and we tried it, but we couldn't rap like we knew, but we, we let him do everything he wanted to do, but that's how, that's how I got me a machine earlier before a lot of people. Finesse. So now everybody was getting at me, yo, how you do this, how you do that. So LES just got a machine. I remember showing him. So he knew I was ill with it, and he pulled me to the side. He said, yo, you fuck with Havoc in them? I'm like, definitely not. They little niggas. He said, you ain't fucking with Nas? I said, nah. I said, well, fuck them little niggas. He said, nah, Nas got a deal. I said, a word? I said, I'll give him something arrogant. I'll yeah. give him something fuck it. But Nas, later, come here. <laughs> like, yo, what up, Panic? Now they look up because we from the hood. Yeah. Right. What up, Panic? They know I was you like, so I was like, what's up? I said, I heard you got an album. Yeah, we almost done. I said, I want one on it. He said, we almost done. I said, come on, man. We hood. He said, all right, just give me something. All right, right here. Gave it to him. My grandmother, I'm still with my grandmother. My grandmother said to me, some boy named Nas keep calling you. He keep calling you. All right. Now I ran this and said, what's up? He said, yo, I got one. I picked one for the mm -hmm. album. I'm like, word? All right. I'll hit you back. Putting it off. Putting it off. Illmatic. Five months. If I was really still thinking my money was coming from this, I'd still Years later, I came across some old hood tapes. I called them all. This is a 
Only reason Cormega always sucked. But they had one tight album. One no, tight. he did one tight song. Okay. But before the album was done, yeah. Nature felt it. If you listen, that's Nature, that's not Cormega. Cormega did have a song. Cormega did uh dun 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 He's on that. He's on that one. Um uh Yeah, my my mind sees through your design like Brian Fury. So Mega's on that song. But see, what it was on 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 uh Illmatic. Nah shouted out Mega who was locked up. So niggas, everything that touched Illmatic, cause LES, he went on to do shit like get jiggy with it. And he was okay, but he was eating, you know what I'm saying? Fat Joe, just cause on the strength of that. And then of course Pete Rock, and then Premier, and then Large Professor, you know what I'm saying? All these became icons because of that shit. That my whole game would have been different if I had just been humble, you know what I'm saying? Havoc was my nigga too. Havoc's still my nigga. Havoc's a real good nigga. Yeah, you know I'm saying? A He's good a real good nigga. Real yeah. good nigga. And um You had two in the bag though. Who was that? You had two, you had Nas and Havoc. Oh, oh two in the bag. More than, I mean, I've done a lot that's yeah. significant, but that would have been the game changer. Well, Mob wouldn't have really I would have just been on my Nas on Illmatic would have been a game changer from the reaction back then. You would have been that's like Stevie thing. over here. Yo, I worked for Clark Kent while he's telling me that's that's where it start. I got somebody named Jay Z coming. Stick around. Hmm. I do, and I said fuck that. I went to go went to work with Molly Molly. And Molly's like, yo, you can come up here and work as an in house. I left Clark. Yeah, I know. And then, then I left Clark. <laughs> went and got with Molly. But no, it gets. But here's where it gets deeper. I'm with Molly. I'm working. He's like, we got a group. I'm, we're bringing in Derek. These are all still friends. Called Lords of the Underground, we want you to do the whole album. Fuck that, you ain't paid enough. I'm gonna go, I always wanted to work with Public Enemy. I'm gonna go with their old asses. And went, and they were old at the time. And went and did a Public Enemy joint. I did four joints with them, and the money was sick, but then the Lords, but the Lords were straight and current. Still, I still, the Lords still, like, they was thinking about working now. So, I mean, I still fuck with them, but yeah, there was a lot. But see, I had to look at it this way. Which is actual fact. Now what I do, not only is it so lucrative, I travel the country, I've been begged around the world, yeah. wrote books, yeah. my second book is finished, nice. uh, my products sell constantly, my wife does reading, blah, 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 blah. Your second book. Uh, yeah, 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 it's gonna, yeah, we're about to print in classes, da, 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 da. So with all that, I wouldn't have done that if I would have stayed in rap as hard, if it was hard. Now, I made and carved out money, yeah. but if I'd have did that, I wouldn't have been able to do what I really You would have been carved in stone though with that. As a as a, a producer, I would guess, but yeah. where my consciousness is now, I wouldn't even care. I still wouldn't have been doing anything. I wouldn't I wouldn't have cared. I'm, I was never aggressive at pursuing money that was always there in front of me because something always would keep me out of it. But then if when I told the story, what I'm doing now, that was it. Spiritually I wasn't supposed to do that. Spiritually I was I mean I literally walk around the world and people, some people will have almost tears in their eyes telling me how I changed their life with metaphysics, spirituality, and what I teach. As opposed to, you made some hot rap shit, nigga. Because I can play songs. You go, oh, you did that work. And how I worked with Molly for a year and we dealt with everything that came through right after Mama said, knock you out. 
certain shit on 14 shots of the mm. dome. So, I mean, there's, I could give you a resume. That's okay, crazy. You got a good resume. Yeah, that's crazy. Those were the shits that would have been, we would have been having a different conversation. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? But, um, so, where was I? So, so Nas, so years later, had this Queensbridge tape. So, so remember I said, Miss Nas that time, why did he come through? Then I ran into him in the city. I seen Horse, who was another nigga. That was his actual bodyguard. But he was the big nigga in Uchiwagi in the tub. Okay. Ran in the horse, showed up, son, da 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 da. And I didn't realize Nas was there. We was at the ATM. I said, oh, son, what's good? Yo, what up, Penny? You know what I'm saying? I said, yo, what's up with that tape I gave you? He ain't looking at you. I ain't really hearing nothing on it. You know what I'm saying? I said, nah, I'm good, my nigga. Just, I ain't worried about that. Cause I never was aggressive like that. Right. Right. There was another, at the Source Awards, when Suge did the, with the, uh, Come, welcome come to death row. Yeah, come to death row. I mean, Nas again. And it was mad high. It was, he had the crew. He was still young in it, so he still had the hood niggas with him. Mm-hmm. Yo, it was high. Yo, Penny. Oh, shit. What up? I'm like, damn, this nigga look like he's linked on heroin right now. <laughs> so now, 98, I told Marley, I came across these tapes, said Nas with us, we'll have some call. Ego. Yo. Panic, what up? Mm. Yo, what's up? It's me, Nas, the man. I said, what's up, nigga? Then when he seen it wasn't going to happen, so what's up? <laughs> it didn't turn regular. I said, yeah, I got these tapes, Harvey. Got Havoc, got all the, you know, Deaky, Ill Will, all these, all the hood niggas that they grew up with, they on like boat trips, you know, shit that was hood events, mm-hmm. shit in the center, you know, niggas doing the electric slide, but they kid. So, so, he said, yo, I'm gonna come through. Came through in the van, you know, lounging. All them little niggas I knew, yo, what's up, y'all, what up? So again, I said, yo, I could see this is gonna be awkward. Cause you know all these little niggas they acting too cool, mm-hmm. so I'm like this. And at this time I was good because I ran across eBay and all that shit was starting. So I was selling porno. So I was making like 25 G's a month. So I really didn't give a fuck about music. I wasn't even trying to sell them no music while we was there. I was good. You know what I'm saying? So I, so you were selling yeah that? yeah oh yeah definitely oh my nigga my nigga my nigga it was so yo let me tell you how ignorant I was eating lobster every day. And, the, and it was 25 G's a month, and the gas bill and the cable bill was still late. You know what I'm saying? Like, real nigga <laughs> shit. You know what I'm saying? Real nigga shit, just cool G, yeah. fat farm, yeah, yeah, yeah. for nothing. You know what I'm saying? Stupid shit. And it branched off from, um, from the rap? No, it was just some shit. I, I was, actually, I was so, I did rap all my life. Psychologically, I didn't really know if I could do anything else. It's a weird feeling because Marley Mar, like Marley, made records almost immediately as soon as I became conscious. And we, there, you ever, there's a rapper called Tragedy, the Intelligent Hoodlum later, and Trash Gaddafi later. He may be most known later day by bringing out Noriega in Capone, okay, okay. and then Noriega later. And him and Noriega was always at odds. That's why you don't hear it. But Trash, within itself, Trash is Queensbridge. Nas got his whole style from Trash. Trash still around. Trash is still that nigga. I thought I heard Jay-Z got his style from Big L. Possibly. People were saying that. That's possible. I could see that. I could see that. 
So trash is that hood dude, that real hood dude. What the fuck I bring up trash for? Oh, because trash, but he had, this is real hood story. His mom was a fiend. His sister, who is out here now, she happened to spend one cookout with us. She was telling me our mom used to sell her to the fiends. You know, real shit, our mom's dead. I remember that, you know what I'm saying? Real rough shit. So I remember I had hot days of quitting. I was trying to pretend DJ. Yeah. And Trash came past my window. He's really about 14. He's like, yo. He said, I didn't know you DJ. I said, I don't know neither. He said, yo, I rap. I said, word. I said, let me hear something. That nigga said, that little nigga said a rap so ill. But I couldn't DJ. So I brought him to my man Hot Day. Hot Day brought him to Marley's house immediately the next day. So we owe Marl a lot, though. Oh. We owe Marl a plaque. Yo, listen. Listen, listen, let me tell you. I didn't realize this, but I was there for it. But I didn't even catch this shit. I want y'all to hear this shit. For real. And Marley's, he's real humble. So when he got on Drink Champs, which you need to watch with Noriega. Yeah. He said it, and he was right. I remember, I used to always like to go to his house when I was young. And I knew I was getting him sick. You know what I'm saying? And Marley, what's up? Come in, chilling, and he's doing business. But that was your boy, though. And my cousin. Your cousin. But your cousin. still, I'm still the younger one, right. so he don't want to do that all the He'll play with us all day, but when, like, for instance, when Rakim came, when Rock him came yeah. we was there when Eric B. Brung Rock him over. Y'all got to go. They paid for the session. Right. Heavy D came. Andre Harrell paid for the session. He had to go. Now, I came over. There was a girl named Finesse and Sinquiz. Old school rappers. They from Uptown Records. They were originally on Uptown. Okay. Their name is Lorraine and Shireen, Shireen, Shireen and Lorraine, whatever their fucking names are. It's the names that were the girls in House Party because they were supposed to play that role. But they gave it to Tisha Campbell and the other girl. Okay. But they're real. The names they used in the movie are the names of Finesse and Quest, okay. which is Shireen and whatever the fuck it was. So they were there. I don't think it was the first time I met her. She was cool for years. It may have been the first time I met her, so we, it might have been. So we was talking, I was there, Andre Harrell came through. Andre Harrell's like, yo, I'm about to start this shit called Uptown Records. He said, yo, what do you like, which logo do you like? And it was like a pimp cat, and then it was the cat that you, the, the cartoon cat. He was talking about that, and Marley, he said, Marley, we want you to kick off the first project. Now, they did an album called Uptown's Kicking It. You can see the video right now. And Heavy D's on it, Groove Be Chill, the dude that's in the wheelchair that was on in House Party with the hat. Uh, he's the one, he kept bumping the uh, mixing oh, equipment. Okay. He kept bumping, oh yeah, he been in the wheelchair like over 10, he been in the wheelchair that? before I came out here. No, he got on a motorcycle accident okay. soon okay. after that. Yeah. Um, and he was on a sitcom too, he was doing good. Yeah. He was on a sitcom with white, like John White, white folk, yeah. and that was that. Uh, who else? Um, look, Finesse and Sequence was in it. Maybe two more random niggas that you don't even know about. But it was a collabo. Marley Marl was in it. He had a shag. He, you know, we gig on him about it. She was in that movie? He was in it. No, he was in the video. This is oh, Uptown's okay. kicking it. Andre Rell. This was kick, This was the record that kicked off Uptown Records. They went to Marley Marl. Now, they went to Heavy D. To, they went to Marley Marl to kick it off with Heavy D. He was the first one. Right. Listen to... Uh, uh, who do you think you are? Mm-hmm. All, all them old songs. 
listen to the beats. I remember Marley used to do it, but remember I told you the drum machine was weak. He used to program this, tap this beat with his hand right. that the programming couldn't do. It was swing beats. Drum mm. machines didn't know how to do swing. Now, he figured it out and gave Heavy D all of these swing beats, all the Uptown Records swing beats. When Marley said, I can't do this shit no more, and you know, I got too many obligations, he said, I got a guy you can use. His name is Teddy Riley. Wow. He knew Teddy, he used to fuck Teddy's shit. Teddy was a musician, but Teddy did a lot of rap. So Andre Harrell said, Teddy, I need you to do the swing beats that Marley started doing. And that became the New Jack Swing. Yeah. Uh, so we owe Marley a lot. And I said, I didn't, I, mean, all that. I didn't make the connection. But when he said it, I said, God damn it, I seen it with my own. He's not just telling that story. I said, he was like a real innovator. He, Marley was real crafty. Like, one of the big things when they were still using two-inch tapes. Late 80s, early this, 90s. This is late 80s. This is mid, this is 87 to be exact. This is 87 to be exact. Yeah. All through... Where he shined was up until Mama Said Knock You Out, which was what, 91, maybe, 90, 91? Yeah. Or maybe 90, no, maybe 91, 90, 91. And after that, he kind of, more producers started emerging, so he started blending in. It wasn't a big deal, but he knocked LL out the park, because LL considered, his, his second Walking with the Panther was considered a flop. Then he brought him back with Mama Said, and we know the story. But, um, but yeah, so Marley tells that story about this swing beat and, and, and all the other shit that he injected in the game. Cause he was really like a craftsman and there was Did he work with Biggie? Biggie no, no, that was shout out. That was weird. He gave him a shout out because Marley, Marley, Marley was such an icon. You, he said you used to listen to the rap attack, Mr. Magic Marley Maul. And Mr. Magic Marley Maul had the show. Because everybody came up on it. That was iconic. It was a two-inch tape that we used to use. Shit was heavier than a whole human being to carry. And, and you know, now shit's on a fucking floppy disk. Yo, carrying two of them, you were done for the day. Mm -hmm. So that shit was ridiculous. You used to do three songs on one tape. The tape itself was $200. You had to pay for $200 tape before you got in the studio. Know what I'm saying? Oh, it was oh, it was a thing. You wasn't just dropping it. Know what I'm saying? You had to, you, you, it was a lifestyle. So here was the big deal. Let's say you did a record. This is how they would handle it. James did a record that's hot. They want a remix. So they would take all three of us in the room and give us a two-inch tape and say, you do what you want to do. Khadija do what she want to do. Pete Rock, Panic, you do it. And y'all all submit it. The best one got the, got the money. So everyone involved would get a payment just for their time. And then you get what they call the second half. They were, everybody was sweating the second half. I didn't get my second half. I get my second hand. It would be the same beat, though. It's the same thing. So, for instance, you made a song called Happiness. So, it's banging. So, your so A&R, somebody's going to say, yo, we need ten, five hot producers to remix it. So, oh, they would pay five hot producers $1,000, let's just say. So, five hot producers would send to the company their version of Happiness. They would pick one of them, and then the one who won got the second half. So everyone was trying to get second halves, but niggas was making livings just off a of first half. Because right. if you got a name like Marley or Pete Rock, you're getting 30 of them shits. You could just send out 30 whack shits, and you're getting that first half no matter, and you could live off of that. So, so, but here was the problem. There was something called offset time. 
meaning there was a sync track or a click track on the tape. And that click track on the tape would lock, lock all the other machines up, MIDI them all up. So the tape actually was running the timing. So I would start the tape and it would start the timing. All the other machines would get their cue and it's ready to roll on time. Without the same time, everything is just playing. It's the, the machine's gonna trigger wrong. So niggas had a standard of 15 cent. So, 50, so, mm -hmm. so producers came out, they were making their money first off these. Uh, these mm. No, that was the first. Hey, mm. That's how they were making That was money. actually in the 90s. Okay. So that was a little bit later when remixing became a thing. Okay. Puffy just kept saying the remix, remix, and it made it seem like he was the guy. But <laughs> remixing was a big deal because it, it was just all of these album versions. So usually the single that you heard that you thought was an album was actually remixed or done over, but they would pull them from the album and do them over. So when remix, when remix became a, a lucrative business, Puffy made it glamorous. So they were just pulling the beats? Well, no, no, check it out. You would do an album, right? And usually, because there was no system really locked down, people were just making songs. There was no method to it to see how to make a second album, then a third album. It was like they was just throwing songs against the wall to see what stuck. Yeah. And they kind of had an idea, so no one really knew how to craft okay. conscious albums mm -hmm. yet. It just hadn't been invented yet. So what they would do is a, a, a regular album, and then of course they always knew the three that was strongest, then there was one that was possibly making noise, but the beat wasn't radio enough or wasn't whatever. So they would pull that one from the album, which no one was probably listening to anyway, or, or whatever, and then say, Hot Producers remix it. And then, and then this is in the 90s, so five Hot Producers got $1,000 to give me to submit the best their, their be best version of choice. James got the other half, the other two, good looking, but it didn't work out, sorry. So that became a lucrative thing at a certain point. Then when Puffy made the remix, then it didn't even matter no more. It became, the remix became just as popular as the mix. Right. So it, it, it died out in that context. Not to mention people were making so much off of records now, you didn't have to make a, a second income within it. So the chore was you were moving these tapes around studio to studio. So offset times and paperwork and how to set this up and what they did with mixes always lost. Marley was a fucking genius. He would take the fucking the tape machine and scratch that shit like a, 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 a turntable and let that shit fly and mix the fucking tape to the drum machines. Never because all he did was remixes. So all he had he didn't have to look, he said fuck all the offset times, calling people trying to find out what they did, calling the studio. He engineers, he just started mixing this shit. The shit, and then he started, he used to tell me like, you can make the beat sit back in the track or sit up in the track. Like he put me like, shit, I could go on for days with this shit. He put me on, when I started remixing with other niggas, I was like, do this shit. They was baffled at it. When I tell you that motherfucker was a genius, that motherfucker was a fucking genius. He knew how to record shit he would tell me so much ill, intricate shit to this day that Can I you used. still make a dope ass beat today? Oh, that motherfucker so kill it. It's just me from a different era. Would you know what I'm be, saying? Could he make one from this era? And do you think... It's easy. Yeah, but you're yeah. not inspired here right. because it's not... It's right. like... It's like... 
if your your son is listening to the wheels of the bus go round and round, you going yo, that's hot. I'm a, I could do that. It's like you're like I'm not interested in it. It's you're not even judging it on that level because it's not your level. Yeah. Now I know know how I know he would do it if he's asked because he was already co-signing. Mumble music is fire. I like it. So I was like, nigga, you too old to be saying that. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Right. So, but I get it from his perspective. He can't cut his legs off saying this is whack or this one nah, sucks. Nah, he can't. That's, now, why, I said that's why I said I don't want no money no more. Yeah. So, he's like, no, I'm straight off of royalties. He was saying, he's like, all that shit I finally did some this and this and that and got it back. All the shit he did on cold chilling all them early days, he got that. So he's like, I'm good now. And he said, Kanye or somebody, he said they're sampling him now. Yeah. So he said he's he said Kanye sent his kid to college. Yeah. So they not even they're not even looking like they need to do it anymore. They did it for like listen, we were they would I got with him in nineteen eighty seven. He was fucking around in eighty four and eighty five. Niggas ain't trying to make no beats, you know what I'm saying? They they they, they, they are sold somewhere else, you know what I'm saying? That nigga be talking about Japan and all this rest of this kind of shit. Now he was like I said, he was a genius on that shit. But but one of the real geniuses I met was Hank Shockley from the Bomb Squad. Because my lifelong shit was to work with Public Enemy. I was always conscious. So I was like, fuck that. I want to work with Public Enemy. I don't care how old these niggas sound at the time. And sure enough, there was a chick named... There was a group called Monica and Terry. There was an R&B group. Monica was my girl. They were actually in Albie Shore's group called the Good Girls in the 80s. You can find all this shit online. They are all videos. And we knew them back then. So later, two, three of them went to two of them. They became Monica and Terry. They did some hits. She was working A&R or something at MCA. So I was passing out tapes because he was passing out tapes back in the day. She hit me back. I was like, oh, yo, we know each other. She's like, oh, shit, Latin Quarter, da, 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 da. She's like, yo, this is Hank's lady. I said, from the bomb squad? I was like, yeah, I said, oh, shit. Now, I'm thinking public enemy. I didn't even know it was it. I said, all right. She said, I'm going to play shit for Hank. I said, Hank heard this shit. Hank went crazy for it. Had a meeting. Hank was real cool. Yo, nigga, he was like, yo. I liked him immediately. He was like, yo, what's your jacket say? I was like, oh, it say Perry Ellis. He said, you went soft. I said, oh, nigga, you crazy, man. I said, no, this is what they're doing in the street. They're, don't be baffled. And it was Halloween. I said, this is a Halloween costume. So then we liked each other immediately. It was Halloween and everything. So we liked each other. He said, yo, one of the joints you did, he said, I want to do a remix for ABC. So, boom, got in, we did it. Couldn't find the offset time. So hold up. After I did that, they were sold. Nigga, yo, yo, you saved us how? And we only got the first half. We didn't get the second half. But after that was the relationship. He's like, yo. He said, you an ill beat maker. He said, yo. And remember, I had the drum machine. He said, yo, your bottom. Because we used to look at it in three sections. We used to call it. It would be the kick and the snare, which is the bottom. Bass line, which is, we would say rhythm, even though none of these terms are real. And we would say your topping, which would be the sound. And he was like, yo, man, everything's going to put your toppings be wild. See, I used to try the wildest shit, which I knew was ahead of my time. Nobody could hear it. So he couldn't hear what I would put on top. But my rhythm, even to this day, I still had it. My drum programming, I could tap. That was always my specialty. I could get in there with a drum program. So he was like, yo, yeah, I thought he was running game. He said, yo, man, you're an ill beat maker, but you're not a producer. 
you just trying to figure out a way not to give me money. Right. He's like, he's like, nah. He said, you deal with the beast. I'm gonna show you how to produce an artist. Long story short, that's what he did, and there is a big difference. Mm-hmm. The difference between beat makers and producers. And I will promise you this: if we gonna, we can look if if we can have a conversation, not us, you but just a general. B too, right? Yes, yes. We'll, yeah, we'll talk about how that retirement thing came. If we could talk if or if I was able to talk nowadays to people on an intelligent level about music just that line in the sand is where we would start what I hear is a lot of people who make beats because they have access to drum machines but they don't know how to build a record from floor up now see I kept talking about that because me and from my teaching me and B.O.B. had started to form a friendship relationship so I'm telling him about the wisdom of all the years just in general not even for any, I, didn't, I could care. I was already 20 years done with it. I was 10 years done with it. After I worked at Is so many. Is part of the reason why you came back to, to rap? Well, he's the only reason. Yeah. I didn't care about it. He's the only reason. I was, I mean, like I said, we do well now with what I do. So in my mind, I was like, ah, I'll get a studio one day. We got the room. I'll do it just from hobby. You know what I'm saying? I don't care about making any more music. I really don't care now about making rap money music. I do well. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not greedy. I don't need more than what we already have. You know what I'm saying? And I've spent a lifetime of wearing gold, flossing, and doing all that shit already. I mean, there's none of that. There's no thrill in that for me. So now we, we do what, you know, now. So it never was a money thing. My whole thing after learning all this shit for years is like, damn, well, this craft is just dying. You know what I'm saying? Because what I learned from Marley and eventually Clark and all of them, that production is actually a craft. Say it again, bro. Even Public Enemy. Public Enemy. Oh, that was my. That was that was my great. I did four joints. That was the breakthrough uh, for me, cause as an accomplishment. But I worked with Chuck Rock, Rock. Kid Play, LL, Mm. Heavy D, uh, uh, No Kane. there was a guy, Super Lover CB was big. That was a New York group. Uh, Herbie Lovebug's group, uh, as a kid and play. No Salt and Pepper. Um, there was another group in Herbie Lovebug's group. I can't remember their name. It was, it was all right. Uh, I could go on for days. I've remixed so much of that old shit. Like, it's literally out of my mind. I, it was a forgotten life. Because, remember I said I had this problem. I did it since a young age. You know, you get fed this thing, what you have to offer the world. And I'm like, this is so normal. I don't even know if I, I feel like I'm smarter. I don't know if I could do anything. So after music and production, Public Enemy, I lost all interest in it. I moved to Jersey, and then I was still producing. I was making hot shit, but I wasn't aggressively pursuing business. I was just living off the money, just getting, getting tired of it, you know what I'm saying? And then shit was wearing out. I had no skill. I did this since I was 14. So I said, That was oh. your skill, though. What you mean? Yeah, well, at this time, this was not the money thing. Mm-hmm. This is 1990. At this point, we, in 96, where money was good, but that's Puffy when them wasn't even killing it yet. They were starting to make it a money thing. But Wu Tang was in full bloom. Fat Joe and them was in full bloom. Mm-hmm. Rap was doing good, but. Everybody wasn't eating like you get one thing and you do it. So you had to hustle. So the hustle was getting old. And 
I had skills in music, but skills nowhere else in the world. I couldn't supplement my in, I couldn't move on to nothing. I never did anything. I used to work on and off at this drugstore for years. I would leave for years, come back for years, leave for years, and then that was all over. So now I had to get a job. I said, let me try a job. Ooh, man. I went to this unemployment agency and said, what do you know how to do? My answer was, nothing. You know what I'm saying? They said, what? They said, you got to work for UPS. Yo, this shit was like the main yard at Folsom Prison. Because everybody I, I, there was an ex-inmate. They was, yeah, they was, yo, they, yo nigga, please, you work for UPS, yeah. yeah. Nigga, please. Yo, and it was, I think shit was like $8 an hour. You loading, not them brown trucks, big trucks. Yeah. Arms getting broader. You know what I'm saying? For $8. But then you go into the, um, into the lunch area, niggas crewed up, like, like, no niggas looking at you. Yeah. I think niggas sharpening shanks. Like, all these are ex-inmates. So I told my sister, yo, what in the fuck? She was already working at labels. She was working at labels all her life. She was working at Uptown. She said, she was work. she, she was, her boyfriend was a nigga named Dino. He worked for Universal. Dino's the nigga who gave cash money that first $30 million deal. You know what I'm saying? And so Dino got me a job there. So that was the first, that was my way in. And ironically, now we're talking from 87 to 96. So close to about 10 years later, Terry, my sister worked for Uptown now. Mm. And if y'all remember, I told you a story when Uptown was about to start, Andre Arell came and showed me the the uh, the icon that they were gonna use and ask my opinion on it. Didn't mean nothing. Okay, he just asked my opinion. Yeah, yeah, so when I went with Finesse and Sequest, he said, which one do you like? And it was okay. the Pimp Cat or the cartoon. They went with the cartoon. It was so wild. Uh, the, I don't know, I think she was, heavy, Andre had left, Heavy D was running uptown. Um, Terry was his assistant. She came in and said, we about to change the logo. Which one do you think? I said, fuck, you will never believe this shit. I said, yo, 10 years ago, fucking your, the owner asked me the same shit. I was like, it was just wild and ironic. It means nothing, but it was like, yo, you just would never believe that shit. So now, she got me in. So that put me in that game. And I still didn't like it. I had little royalties left. So got fired eventually, probably for stealing, you know what I'm saying, like hours, you know what I'm saying? And, but they were so impressed that one of the dudes said, yo, they need, they need a manager at Roadrunner Records. It's a rock label, but oh, they're, cla- they're like the Def Jam of metal, which really? I didn't know. And eventually their biggest thing became Nickelback. Nickelback but but they had like typo negative. They had, they were street, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Machine Head, typo negative, DSI, just wild niggas. So I was the office manager. So I'm still not sure of myself, because this is an extension of music. I'm like, I want to do something else. I need to do something else. Now I started looking online, seeing websites were starting. This is 97. Say, yo, these niggas are selling porno. Let me calculate his money, this guy, this random guy on eBay. I said, yo, he made such and such this one cycle. Then I looked at him. He's sell, selling the same tapes over and over again. He just keeps putting them up. So I'm going to try that shit. Well, first when I tried it, there was a white boy named John Mayo. He worked, because we had a t-shirt company too. He was a graphic designer. His pop's name was Joe Mayo. Joe Mayo worked on the, on the, on the cast of Seinfeld. 
He was a lighting guy. So John had all the Seinfeld hot shit. So in fact, if you watch Seinfeld, there was an episode where they were saying Joe Mayo. It was you, because he used to use his friend's name in the show. So it was like Joe Mayo, Joe Mayo's, they did a party at Joe Mayo's house, but it was a real dude. And his pops was in the scene, like at the party. So that was, a, you know, that was a deal for him. But he, his pops always worked on it from the beginning. So he knew I was a fan. So, so John, his son, said, yo, I got these Seinfeld boopers that nobody never seen. Oh, run them, son. So he ran them. They cursing this, this never, even I still have them to this day. Never been seen on TV. I mean, they're like, fuck shit. You know what I'm saying? They're like, this ain't one of them. I saw that shit on eBay. You know what I'm saying? John saw that shit. Call the bosses. Man. Like, nigga, knock it off. You should have been so smart enough to do that. Yeah. But that was me testing the water to see how it flipped. Yeah. So I said, let me get regular titles and just flip them. Because at this time, the internet wasn't a popular thing. It was starting to get popular. So porno was only sold in California and New York. So people would travel to buy porno from Times Square. Now you're getting it in the comfort of your own home. So Utah and all these motherfuckers was eating it up. And that motherfucker, let me tell you how sick these motherfuckers was. You got anything else you can't sell? No, no, we good. We got, we, 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 everything is up, you know what I mean? Yeah, so this, this changed the money game for me, 25 Gs a month. Like I say, you know what you're doing, buying chains. Quit the job. So now, banging out this money, you know what I'm saying? Do 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 do. You know what I'm saying? Going to the clubs. You know what I'm saying? Now we starting to film chicks. You know what I'm saying? Wilding out. Then all of a sudden, it wasn't that popular no more. Dude, now I'm like, I ain't got no skill again. You got the money though, bro. Back in the music. You spent that shit up like fast. All that shit come, that shit gone. I'm seeing lobster every day. You know what I'm saying? Now so that dries up. I'm like, fuck that, I know what I need to do. So I said, I need to stop all of this shit and start studying something else. It's gonna be IT. Went hard, reading books bigger than this. Microsoft certified this. Microsoft engineer. Yeah, I was going through it. I was go Microsoft certified engineer. I was just so happy that I can do seeing, that I proved to myself finally at damn near age fucking 35 that I could finally do something else besides rap. That's how psychologically imbalanced that was when I started from such a young age.